If you're gay, then you're gay. You don't pretend that you're straight. You could be who you are any day of the week. You are unlike the others, so strong and unique. We're all with you. If you're straight, well, that's great. You can help procreate and make gay little babies for the whole human race. Make a world we can live in where the one who you love's not an issue. Cause we're all somewhere in the middle. We're all just looking for love to change the world. Ah. And we're all here in it together. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to IMRU Radio Magazine. The nation's longest running lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender radio show. Out front and out loud since 1974, I'm Miss Barbecue. I'm Abby Dees. And I'm Steve Pride. Hi, everybody. Happy Pride. Apple pie, apple pie. Apple pie, apple pie, honey. It's been a great <laughs> month, hasn't it? Yes, it has All been. the TV shows are doing the gay themes. All the radio, well, not all the radio stations. So most of the radio stations are doing some gay stuff. Well, acknowledgement. That's they are. That's all, we all you want is acknowledgement. Yeah. Please. And so many movies are coming out. Yes. And, wow. And then Channing Tatum. Yes. In the Pride Parade. <laughs> was... ma- I'm mixed about that. Major studios having Pride Parade floats. Well, we see it become like Comic-Con in a few years where it's all sponsored ads and things. It's nothing like it was back in my day. I even remember the theme of my first L.A. Pride. You put on your Earth shoes and your dungarees and you made a sign. No, it was it was <laughs> unity and more in 84. Yes! <laughs> and in 85, that. it was alive with Pride in 85. Well, speaking of Pride, tonight <laughs> I will take you to the star-studded opening of an LGBT exhibit at the Hollywood History Museum. Then we'll hear from the young black women featured in the documentary Out in the Night before its debut on PBS tonight. And we'll talk to our resident superstar, (gasps) Miss Barbecue, about her solo show. Rumor has it, I'm not the marrying kind. (laughs) Really looking forward to it. Oh my goodness, I'm so. We had to beg. I'm fleshing, I'm fleshing. But first, the national and international news from This Way Out. I'm Chris Ann Eastwood. And I'm Michael LeBeau. With News Wrap, a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBT communities around the world for the week ending June 20th, 2015. Two gay men in Morocco were jailed for four months on June 19th for kissing in public. The men, identified in media reports only as 25 year old Mosin and 38 year old Lassen, were arrested earlier this month at a demonstration by the feminist group Femin in the capital of Rabat, in front of the city's famous Hassan Tower. The men posed for a selfie and kissed in solidarity with two French women who were topless and also lip-locked. The women were deported soon after the incident for performing an obscene sequence. But the gay men got most of the headlines in the conservative Muslim country. Moroccan law punishes private, consensual adult same-gender sex with up to three years in prison. Pink News said that three men were sentenced to the maximum penalty just last month. The weekly magazine Maroc Hebdo was forced to withdraw its latest edition, featuring a front-cover headline asking, Should we burn gays? 
The cover showed two young men at a swimming pool, smiling and gazing into each other's eyes. Earlier in the week, a local newspaper reported the arrests of 20 people for homosexuality in the city of Agadir. BuzzFeed reports that they've all been charged with incitement to corruption. According to Pink News, local media outlets in the Saudi Arabian city of Jeddah reported simultaneous police raids in the early morning hours this week on two so-called gay parties that netted several arrests. According to Golf News, the license plates of nearby cars were recorded before police and members of the Commission for the Promotion of Virtue and the Prevention of Vice, otherwise known as the Morality Police, stormed the premises. The detainees were described as mostly gays, but a few others were apparently arrested for drinking alcohol or smoking marijuana. The Golf News report said that those who were arrested were referred to a police station, while those who fled the premises will be summoned since they were all identified. Convictions for consensual adult gay sex under strict Islamic law in Saudi Arabia can be punished with death by stoning. Israel's Ministerial Committee for Legislation voted down a bill this week to ban bias against LGBT people. Some committee members were accused of hypocrisy for voting against the proposal after marching in Tel Aviv's LGBT Pride Parade last week. The bill would have added sexual orientation and gender identity to categories already protected from discrimination in the country, although the Equal Employment Law already covers sexual orientation. The committee also rejected a bill making it illegal to discriminate in selling or renting a home based on gender, sexual orientation, and a host of other categories. Same-gender marriages legally performed elsewhere are recognized in Israel, but only Jewish, Christian, Muslim, or Druze religious authorities can perform marriages in the country, and none offer gay and lesbian couples that chance. The Israeli parliament has repeatedly rejected civil marriage legislation for both heterosexual and same-gender couples. And according to Gay Star News, the National Assembly of Austria soundly rejected a proposal this week to grant lesbian and gay couples the human right of equal marriage. Only 26 of 136 representatives voted for the resolution. It was sponsored by the Greens, but theirs was the only party to fully support it. The landslide anti-equality vote came just a few days before Vienna's annual Pride celebration. But Taipei this week became the second city in Taiwan to recognize same-gender couples. The nearby port city of Kaohsiung was the first. Two residents of the same gender in the capital city can now formalize their relationship at any household registration office. It's only symbolic, but if the couple signs a separate data-sharing agreement with hospitals, courts, and police, partners will be able to give consent for surgery. The Taiwan Alliance to Promote Civil Partnership Rights welcomed the move, but urged the Taipei government to introduce comprehensive partnership registration and to extend spousal benefits to registered city employees. Meanwhile, the largest Protestant denomination in the U.S., the Southern Baptist Convention, has published a guide on how to avoid having to hire LGBT people. Written with the far-right legal group Alliance Defending Freedom, it also offers specific advice on avoiding lawsuits from former employees who may have been fired for being LGBT. Fearing a U.S. Supreme Court ruling opening civil marriage to lesbian and gay couples this month, the guide also tells U.S. churches that Disputes about what constitute a healthy vision for marriage and sexuality have resulted in the cultural harassment, intimidation, and even legal punishment for those whose consciences are held captive to the scripture's teaching on God's purpose for marriage and sexuality. But under U.S. law, ministers are exempt from non-discrimination laws, so the guide urges churches to claim that all its employees are ministers, from teachers to receptionists to maintenance workers. Such efforts are unlikely to stand up to legal challenges, however. 
No laws opening civil marriage to lesbian and gay couples anywhere in the world have required faith leaders to officiate those weddings. None. In other news, a South Korean court has overturned a police ban of the annual LGBT Pride March in Seoul. The Korea Queer Culture Festival has been celebrated annually for the past 15 years, and it would have been the first time that the festival-capping Pride Parade had been canceled. LGBT rights activists have endured escalating protests from conservative Christian groups. Several fundamentalists disrupted last year's Pride Parade by lying down in front of floats and chanting, gays have no place in this country. Those groups applied for permits for their own events this year to be held at the same time and at the same venues as the Pride Parade, which prompted the police ban out of concern for public safety and traffic congestion. But the Seoul Administrative Court ruled this week that assemblies can be prohibited only when they directly threaten public order. One of the Pride Festival organizers, Myung Jin Kang, told Agence France Presse that the court has sent a message to the public that sexual minorities should also be guaranteed rights to speech as a member of a democratic society. The Pride Parade is scheduled for June 28. Singapore's annual Pink Dot LGBT Rights Rally drew a record crowd of some 28,000 participants on June 13th, 10 times the number who were at the first rally in 2009. Reuters described a mostly young, pink-attired crowd gathering in the early evening in Hong Lim Park, near Singapore's financial district, surrounded by hot pink balloons and signs. The event, in its seventh year, included speeches and a concert. After night fell, participants formed a giant human pink dot and also spelled out L-O-V-E, providing several amazing aerial photos. But LGBT rights activists are swimming against the tide in the socially conservative city-state, a court decision recently upheld Singapore's British colonial-era law making private consensual adult gay sex a crime. Government officials have insisted that the law is no longer enforced, but activists say the fact that it's still on the books encourages anti-LGBT bias and harassment. A much smaller Wear White demonstration by religious groups to protest Pink Dot was held for the second consecutive year. And finally, a woman in Baltimore, Maryland, was rewarded this week for drawing a self-identified Christian neighbor's ire for having what was called a relentlessly gay garden. Julie Baker's garden, which features an array of solar-powered colored mason jars, drew an angry note demanding that she tone down the display. This is a Christian area and there are children, read the unsigned note. Keep it up and I will be forced to call the police on you. Your kind need to have respect for God. Baker's response? Put simply, I am a widow and the mother of four children, my youngest in high school, and I will not relent to hatred. Instead, she said, I will battle it with whimsy and beauty and laughter and love wrapped around my home, yard, and family. Donors in a crowdfunding campaign have raised more than $30,000 so far to help that effort. Baker had set a goal of $5,000. Holy relentless rainbows, she wrote. I am so stunned and shocked and grateful for the beautiful outpouring of support. It looks like I can get some painting done. I still want the rainbow roof, she said, because I want this house to be seen from space. They want relentless. They got it. That's News Wrap for the week ending June 20th, 2015. Produced by Steve Pride, written by Greg Gordon, and recorded at the studios of KPFK Los Angeles. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community. News Wrap from This Way Out is brought to you by you. Help keep us on the air and in your ears at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast. For This Way Out, I'm Chrisanne Eastwood. And I'm Michael LeBeau.
You can hear all 30 minutes of the latest This Way Out, including more news wrap on Stitcher Radio On Demand, on iTunes, or at thiswayout.org. Images of pride on screens, both big and small, have pushed the movement forward at a dramatic pace. And who better to search for pride in Hollywood other than Mr. Steve, Steve Pride? pride. The Hollywood Museum in the historic Max Factor building is one of the hidden treasures of our city. And there's never been a better reason to check it out than their new LGBT exhibit, Real to Real, Portrayals and Perceptions of Gays in Hollywood. I was there for opening night to get the 411. Introduce yourself and tell me about the exhibit. Steve Nicolmo, Director of Operations, the Hollywood Museum. We're really pleased this year to do this a second time at the Hollywood Museum. It's an LGB celebration for Gay Pride Month, and we have a fantastic exhibition celebrating the careers, the lives, the contributions of the LGB community. What are you most excited about in the exhibit upstairs? I think it's fun to go back, as this exhibit does, really 90 years. There are individuals that made contributions to the entertainment community that could not be openly who they were. And yet maybe you had an inkling, or maybe it was because of their talent, or because of their uh, celebrity, something about them stood out, and it stands out all these years later. Today, in this business, they wouldn't have to worry, you know, who they were and what they could say or do. Hi, I'm Doris Roberts, and I'm here to support all of my friends who are gay. You've been a big supporter for years, though. Yeah, because I believe that everybody is entitled to be accepted, that every gay person can be accepted, and that kids can grow up and accept that and not kill themselves. Well, I'm Margaret O'Brien, the actress, and I'm here for this wonderful exhibit for Gay Pride Week is coming up, and I'm all for change, that we're making so many wonderful changes, everybody is, that everybody can be who they are and be what they want to be, and it isn't like it used to be in the past, and we all have to change and accept everybody for who they are and who they want to be, and get rid of all the prejudice, you know. You told a great story from the podium. Could you repeat that for us? Oh, about Johnny Ray? Yeah. Well, a very dear friend of mine was a singer, Johnny Ray, who had many hit songs, The Little White Cloud That Cried, when I was a little girl. And he was a very dear person. And one day he came up to me and said, I may not be singing anymore. And I said, oh, why? You know, I love all your songs. You have to continue. And he said, no, somebody wrote about me that I was gay, and I... My career is over. And he was so sad. And look at all the wonderful songs he could have given us for the future that we never got a chance to hear. So that is not going to happen anymore. Thank goodness. Because we're all different and we've all changed. And the people who haven't changed are going to have to change. Because the world is moving on. My name is Jack Betts. I did One Life to Live as Ivan Kipling for about eight years. And then I did Dracula on Broadway, and I did Spider-Man, the movie here, and Falling Down with Michael Douglas. And I'm here because I totally support LGBT, and I think it's becoming much more acceptable nowadays. And it is amazing how it really happened in the past 10 years around the world. And that's what's wonderful. Everybody in the world is aware of LGBT now. The soap operas, they've been really at the forefront of gay characters, I think. 
When you were doing soap operas at the beginning, did you ever think that one day you would see two men kissing on TV or getting married on soap operas? Never, never. I never thought that would ever be. It was never brought up at, at any time on any of the soap operas at all. Nobody was, even the word gay was never mentioned on a soap opera. Forget about LGBT, that wasn't even born then, you know. But it's, uh, it wasn't even mentioned then. And now when you think about it, uh, what Bruce Jenner has done, I think, is quite extraordinary. Quite extraordinary. And uh, when you look back on it and you say to yourself, that was the Olympic champion of the world, and look where he is today. And in such a short period of time, all of this freedom that we have now has only been in the past 10 or 12 years, when you think about it. Dan Savage said that we're all really just waiting for the last generation to die off because most of the bigots are, are no longer being born. Yes, the younger people are very accepting of the whole thing. It's the older people in the old ways, and uh, they're fixed in their ways, and they can't quite understand the fact that the most important thing is that you really love somebody and you want to be with them for the rest of your life. My name is Scott Turner Schofield, and I play Nick on The Bold and the Beautiful, and I am the first transgender actor in a recurring role on daytime television. I'm female to male. Um, it's kind of revolutionary to have a trans actor in a trans role. Yeah, that's yeah. it's yeah, it's kind of a big deal. It's um, and I mean, The Bold and the Beautiful have done everything right that has never been done before, and I'm talking from production to story. I can't tell you very much about the story, but you just got to start watching because if this was happening on Netflix, if this was happening on primetime, people will be losing their minds. It's amazing. Well, tell me about the character. Nick plays Maya Avant's best friend. He is from her world in Los Angeles before she came into the world of The Bold and the Beautiful. And uh, when she has to come out and disclose that she is transgender herself, she calls me in to sort of help her figure that all out. Is it surprising to find trans characters and gay characters on soaps these days? It's not surprising to find gay characters, although people are st still want more. But it is absolutely surprising right now to find transgender characters. It's been an explosion, but I don't think anybody saw it coming that daytime was going to bring it as big and as much as The Bold and the Beautiful have. And have you seen the exhibit downstairs yet? I have. I enjoyed it very much. My name is Carolyn Hennessy, and I am here to support A, the LGBT and whatever else is coming next community because we are discovering that we are more diverse every single day and yay us and you know just come to support come to see the exhibits have a little roast beef sandwich and a glass of champagne why do gay men adore you so much because they know that I want to be them and they, then they want to be me because we both enjoy that one thing and that's comedy <laughs> Have you seen the exhibit? Not yet, but I'm heading down. What is the one thing in your imagination you hope's on display? Oh gosh, for this event tonight, what I hope is on display is my aunt, Barbara Rush, her outfit in Can't Stop the Music. I love Can't Stop the Music. I dated two of the village people when I was younger. Didn't we all? <laughs> I'm Judy Tenuta, the love goddess, and princess of panty shields. I can't absorb you. And you've been a gay icon for 50, 70 years? Oh, nice! And you're only 20. So I'm amazing. only 25, and I've been an icon for 30 years, I think. That's pretty good. And what do you think of the progress in the gay community in, in the entertainment business? 
I think it's progressing uh, for sure. Absolutely. Ever since Ellen came out with her show, and then I think it started getting progressively more in the open. Don't you think so? Oh, yes. oh Will and Grace, hello. And positive images of from comedians like Judy Tenuto. Yes! Yes, that's right. I always love the gay community. Who knows, I might be one. I'm kind of A, you know? Have you been downstairs to see the exhibit yet? Of course! What was your favorite thing? Well, I have to say, you know, I adore Cher. Well, if I could turn back to I would date a fetus. Love her. Love Judy Garland. Of course, I was named for her. Judy Garland and Liza. Love them. Is there one exhibit that they don't have, but you think that should be here? Me? Where is my exhibit here? Hello. Am I not a gay icon? Where's my picture? Excuse me, false idols. This second annual incarnation of Real to Real, Portrayals and Perceptions of Gays in Hollywood, is in partnership with the One Archives and openly gay LA City Councilman Mitch O'Farrell, and in his inspiring opening night speech about progress in Pencilltown, he said, Society is no longer willing to marginalize anyone, and we should never ever make it acceptable again to do so to anyone, no matter who they are, where they're from, or what they do. The LGBT exhibit features costumes, props, photos, and iconic imagery highlighting LGBT characters and plot lines from early stereotypes to modern, more positive representation. It runs through July 20th. Find more info online at thehollywoodmuseum.com. This is Steve Pride. Thanks for listening. What a fun night that was. Wow, times are a-changing, man. When are we getting Judy Tenuta here forever? <laughs> she wants to come back in. She, she, she was great. Really likes us. Oh, she was great. Yeah. And, wait, I have a question. You dated two of the village people. Yeah, that was my other question. Yes. That. I, I, that was <laughs> I was like, w- which, which ones? I like the Indian. I'm not saying. Oh, he's so discreet. It was the and 80s. Know, right? It was a different time. He doesn't remember. He is doesn't what remember. He's really <laughs> he lost their phone numbers. That's what happened. <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> but it well, was, that was an awesome piece. And it, you know, the Hollywood Museum is like a hidden gem, as I said. It's on Highland, just past the intersection of Hollywood and Highland. And oh. the thing that I love about this is this exhibit is for everyone. This evening was kind of like preaching to the choir. Yeah. But people from Des Moines, Iowa will be there tomorrow. Right. And they'll stumble in on the third floor after seeing things on the second and fourth floor and go, wait, this is all gay stuff. Yeah. And then they'll, and they'll run enjoy out it. really, they'll really, run really out, quickly. Or they will say, look, that's from the birdcage or that's from cruising. Well, they won't say that. No, they won't say that. Uh, but, you know, they'll, well, they'll, they'll, they might, they'll see they, they Rodney might. McDowell's bathroom has been transported there. They took it apart and, and rebuilt it there. Wow. What, and what, he had, like, lots of memorabilia in his restroom. It's kind of sad. How long is it running? How long is to it? The tw- July 20th. Okay. So get on down there. Yes, it sounds Very amazing. Cool. We need to move on to something really special, though. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone in between. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Sometimes here at IMRU, we journey across the country to find a great guest. We do. But tonight, we're just going across the table, girl. 
when high-velocity drag queen and performer extraordinaire Miss Barbecue is not busy stealing shows and hearts across L.A. Oh, and she has stolen mine. She adds the sparkle to IMRU every week and is the star of films like Bruno and Erlene, Go to Vegas, and Leave it on the Floor. Um, she is debuting her solo theatrical project, Rumor Has It, I'm Not the Marrying Kind, this Friday. This Friday. Miss Barbecue, welcome as a guest <laughs> on the show. Change, change, it's change so of the hat. How did you cast yourself? Was it like a thing where you had to interview yourself? <laughs> I went through four callbacks for my own role. That's well, what you know what? You have to want it. After I have to want it. No, I actually applied for a grant through the city of West Hollywood for their One City, One Pride um, um um, campaign going on and I did it on a whim I, I never applied for a grant before but I thought you know what I'll apply and see what happens I had done something with highways before but then um, Mike Mike Che who's who's kind of the leader in the one city one pride said why don't you do it for yourself and so I did and then I got the grant so that means I actually had to work you had to think about what you were going to do okay <laughs> had, so give work. us the 411 what what are we going to see friday um what are you going to see friday you're going to hear um storytelling you're going to hear some personal confessions you're going to hear some laughter and um you're going to see me uh Change outfits right in front of you on stage. Oh, we so see that here every, every night. Well, now the rest of the world gets this is to see. The third thing you've had on tonight. Okay. Bef- <laughs> Before we go too far, what is like? What do people need to know? Like how to get there? When is it? Where are they going? Um, they it's get- going to be this Friday at eight p.m. It's at the Actors Company at nine one six Formosa. So far, it sounds so LA. So far, my publicist and my producer has said that we are sold out, but we're adding seats, so it's a first come, first serve basis. So hurry up! So it's- hurry up because because it's a free show. Oh, did I tell you that? Because of the grant I got from City West Hollywood, it's free. It's a free show, but. Considering all the feedback I've gotten from this show, I am looking at other venues to put the show on elsewhere as well. So I am in talks too. Yeah, to but that doesn't back. mean you shouldn't come down Friday and try no, to get it. No, that doesn't mean you shouldn't come, come down. Come early, try you to can... get those like extra seats. And there'll, there'll be some wine in the lobby. And it's there'll free. Free wine in the lobby from free snacks. So. Okay, so you're not the Marian kind. No. And tell us, how did this, aside from the grant, how did this come to life? Well, you know, with the whole notion of gay marriage being legalized in all the states around around um, the country, I started really thinking about what it means to get married and if I want to get married and just because it's legal, do I want to or not? It became this whole thing of, well, it's legal now, so you should want to get married. I'm like, well, hold your horses. Maybe that's not what I want to do. And is that a bad thing? Is that a bad thing? Because people clutch their pearls when I said, well, I don't know if I want to get married. <gasps> oh, my God. You know? And so so I thought, well, you know what? I think I want to talk about that. Okay. I think I want to talk about but that. But you're talking about that and you're changing costumes. Yes. Are you singing? Um, No, I'm not okay. singing this time. But I'm you're just singing. being generally wonderful. I'm being ge- I'm Now, who, who wrote this? Um, My good, good friend, Nathan Beeson. We worked on some projects last year, and I really liked his execution and his style, so I approached him about doing it. And so we had a lot of collaborations of taking real stories from my childhood and so forth and creating this, this show. 
<laughs> you planned to do this show a while back. Yeah. And it, it you had some problems, logistical issues. I had, yeah, some, I had some health issues. I had some eye problems and stuff. I wasn't going to say it. No, no. I don't, I don't mind talking about it. I had some eye issues, and so I couldn't do the show. So you had to put it on hold. Yeah. And I, sh- I remember showing up and knocking at the door and wondering what was going on. Yeah. Um, so has anything changed in this last year as oh you've considered the the new version? You know, it's 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 evolved into this like real thing. I I planned on you know showing up with my bag of drag and <laughs> and just talking about getting married, and then I brought in Nathan, and then I brought in a director, Jim Fall, who's good God, who's, Jim yeah, Fall, Jim Fall, yeah, he's directed Coco Peru, and he, he directed Trick is Trick. my favorite movie, yeah, it, it, and he agreed to do it, and so and so when he agreed to do it, and Nathan was writing. I, it, it's evolved into a real show. So it really is a different thing. Yeah, it's a total different thing. And it's, it's surpassed my expectations. It's we were totally actually contacted by, by your publicist. I know. Right? So I said, well, we, we know her. <laughs> we already know her. We got her already. Okay, but yeah, I have to observe. You know what's so cute is that I see you every week. Right? You're so relaxed and comfortable in front of the microphone. Knowing that we were going to be talking about the show, you have been like... A nervous little kid and, about to go on stage the first time, and, and I kn- and I know that you are an, an old pro at this. Yeah, I know, not old. I know. Just a it's, pro. it's one of those things you realize you're doing what you love to do. You're creating, and you're actually giving the opportunity. And I'm so grateful that I don't want to mess it up. And it's funny you can't really mess it up if you're doing what you love to do already. Okay, well, you we're going to come back to yes. more info about Rumor Has It, I'm Not the Marrying Kind, Yes, Miss Barbecue's <laughs> stage premiere, solo stage theatrical premiere, yes. um, right after this break. Plus a conversation with women from the documentary Out in the Night before its CBS debut this evening after our show. The time is now 7.30. Don't go away. Craig Rodwell, gay rights mogul, coming up now on The Rainbow Minute. Craig Rodwell was born in Chicago in 1940. He came out early in life and moved to Greenwich Village in the 1950s. He became a radical figure in the early gay rights group, the Mattachine Society. Later, he formed the Mattachine Young Adults to increase gay visibility. From 1964 to 1969, he participated in picket lines in front of Independence Hall in Philadelphia every 4th of July to inform passersby that gay Americans still lacked basic human rights. In 1965, he helped organize a protest against the exclusion of gays from federal employment and the military. He is best known for opening the Oscar Wilde Memorial Bookshop, the country's first gay bookstore, in 1967. The Rainbow Minute is produced by Judd Proctor and Brian Burns and recorded in the studios at WRIR in Richmond, Virginia, and read by volunteers like me, Reverend Robin Gorslein. Hello, my name is Cheyenne Jackson, and you may know me from the movies, television, or Broadway. Listen to IMRU Radio Magazine every Monday night from 7 to 8 p.m. on KPFK, 90.7 FM Los Angeles, 98.7 Santa Barbara, 93.7 San Diego, and 99.5 Ridgecrest, China Lake, or streaming online at kpfk.org.
back you're listening to imru radio magazine i'm steve pride i'm abby dees and i'm miss barbecue and that song coming out of the break was so familiar hmm. what was that song? i remember going into the studio and well we and played <laughs> that particular song for you yes. in honor of our special guest who we tried very hard to get uh, <laughs> that song was leave it on the floor from the movie leave it on the floor which is now on netflix guys and we had two reasons for playing it. Number one, to celebrate you. And because I found two DVDs in my prize <gasps> closet. You did? Of Leave It on the Floor. Oh, Leave my God. Leave it on the floor. Leave, Leave it on the floor. floor. Yes. And I am going to give away those two copies of Leave It on the Floor for the first two callers to 818-985-5735. 818-985-KPFK. That's 5735. First two callers get a copy of Leave It on the Floor, the DVD. One of the better movies of this last decade. It was oh. just an amazing film. Oh, thank you so much. And if you guys are really, really nice, I'll even sign it for you. If you come if you, if you, if to, you the, call. to the show. Oh, well, you've called. Well, well, that's true. Yeah, if you call in. If you call in. If you call in. If you call in, I will actually sign a she copy. She will take of it for a Sharpie you. out of her purse. Yes. Her very big and now just <laughs> mythological big purse. Black Sharpie. Sharpie. <laughs> <laughs> She'll sign it for you. But you know what? Leave It on the Floor, that was then yes and this is now yes and so we are talking about your first solo one woman theatrical show it's actually my second oh well hey. yeah it's actually my second my second one i did one through highways three years ago and it was the first time i ever put a whole show together by myself for myself because it's something i've always wanted to do and i did through highways and this is the first time i'm doing it on my own oh and also shout out to my producer casey craiglin who, who who produces <sighs> i know he's a cutie pie shout out to casey craiglin he produces um queer classics and this show is actually part of the hollywood fringe festival i just want to interrupt and say if you missed it the first time around the show is called rumor has it i'm not the marrying kind with our own miss barbecue yes and it's this Friday at 8 p.m. at the Actors Company. Well, <laughs> it's so let's weird talk about running. the timing because I'm well, amazed by the timing. The timing? Well, <laughs> we're looking at a possible Supreme Court decision about this subject marriage this week. Yeah. Do you think that's going to affect your show? Um, no, because 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 um, I have certain opinions about the institution of marriage. And I don't want to give away the whole show, but I do have a certain opinion about it. And especially us as as a queer community, I call us queer because I identify as queer and a gender nonconformist. What I'm saying in the show is timeless. Okay. So, all right. <laughs> gender nonconformist. Yes. I want to talk to you a little bit about what drag means to you, what Miss Barbecue means to you. So my, my first question is, is Miss Barbecue a character or is she you or is she something else? Miss Barbecue is a character. I invented while I was in college at Cal State Fullerton. I had done musical theater for 13 years 
I've choreographed and acted and performed over in Pomona. And uh, when I went off to college, I went to a drag show over there at a club called Oz. And my friend, Raja, we were roommates in college. Yeah, Raja's amazing. She dressed me up for Halloween one year and... I liked it so much. I was convincing that I decided, wow, you can do musical theater along with drag and theatricality. And so I started performing as Miss Barbecue. Miss Barbecue wasn't my first name either. And what was your what was your first name? My first name. Okay, you guys. Okay, this is no one Just knows this. Just between you and me. My first name performing was Miss Latrice. Okay. Is she ever, <laughs> are we ever going to meet Miss Latrice? Um, no, Miss Latrice is, is put away. She's moved on. She's moved on to Miss Barbecue now. What does drag mean to you? Drag, oh gosh. Drag, to me, drag is um, a voice. Drag is activism. Drag is um, generosity. Drag is um, fabulousness. Um, it's, it's campy, it's realness. Um, drag is, uh, is, uh, one of the purest forms to really touch somebody, um, in their heart. How, is, how is it real? You said realness. Um, real, um, when, when, when I'm performing on stage and, and someone in the audience knows the words to the song I'm performing, mm-hmm. there's this connection that I have with that person that we understand the, the realness of what the song brings um, to our hearts, it's very it's it's very odd odd experience. Um, when 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 you're on stage, the lights are on and everything. But but I only perform songs that I love. That that's just how I am. And so so when someone else is in the audience and they live for this song and they're living, we 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 have this connection um, just between us, and it's like nobody else is there, and we just live for the song. You said that you identify as queer. You identify as gender nonconformist. Yes, and. You know, there's this sort of out attitude out there. It's like, well, when you're in drag, that's, you know, when you're doing your drag thing. And then like every, you know, and during daylight, you know, that's not drag. But I always sort of describe you as more than drag. Oh, thank or you. Maybe, maybe, or maybe your version of drag is bigger. How do you view yourself? Um, it, it's be, Being a drag queen, it's like coming out all over again. It's very, 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 very difficult because um, I, I identified myself as a gay man at first, but as I as I did Miss Barbecue and as I started doing stuff outside of Miss Barbecue and stuff, I realized that um, I'm kind of a, 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 I'm not just a gay man. I'm a gender. I don't like conforming to one gender, and I had to come out to myself with that. I'm still am. I mean, I'm still um, you know seeing a therapist about it and seeing seeing where I am on that. But I'm kind of evolving. That's how I feel. Yeah. I, I'm I'm evolving. Um, I, I I don't identify as a woman, but I don't identify as a total total gay man anymore. You know. Are, are what do um, M J Brown and Miss Barbecue have in common? The same size shoe. <laughs> <laughs> um, M J Brown. Or let me ask you this, or maybe a bigger, better question is how much overlap? Um, I used to try to separate them both. I used to try to separate them both and keep one at home and one at. But once, but a lot of times when I'm out and about and I'm not in drag, I'll come across people who see me and know me, and the reaction is just the same as when I'm in drag. It's the same reaction. That's, that's how I feel. It's that same love. It's that same connection. And so I think they they're kind of synonymous now. 
Um, what's coming up next? Now, I don't want to like curse this because you got to focus on, my... on the show. Yeah. But what's happening next um, for you? What's, after what's this next show? on my agenda is um, I'm going to be applying for more grants, and I'm going to be working on, an, on another show that I want to um, evolve, um, have evolve, and I will be. Um, I just did a project with um, the Transparent team for This Is Me on the Entertainment Weekly website. So I did that already. And I, and I just got called for an agent. An agent wants to sign me up. So right. we'll see where projects are out there. You, you heard know? it first. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see where how far I can take Miss Barbecue. That's wonderful. I think she's going to go very far, and I'm glad that I said I knew you went. And I'm grateful. Don't forget us, the little people, I'll, by the way. I will never forget. Okay, I'm so just a reminder: Friday night, eight o'clock. Rumor has it, rumor has I'm it. not the marrying kind. Yes, I'm Miss Barbecue. And, and, and my producer just asked me if he could add extra seats. So it's a first come, first serve basis for extra seat. Extra seats. It's a 55 seat theater, and so they're going to add extra seats to bring it up to 70. And where can we get those uh, tickets? Where um, you can, can we go, get info? You can, you can go to um, the Hollywood Fringe, Hollywood Fringe um, dot org. Dot, dot org. Um, yeah, Hollywood Fringe dot org. Look, I'm looking at the flyer. <laughs> Hollywood Fringe. If you if you just Google Hollywood Fringe Festival, or you can, or you can find rumor me on has there. it, I'm not the marrying yeah, kind. Yeah, I have a I have an event I have an event page on Facebook, and you'll and get all like the that. info. I am so looking forward to this. I'm so excited, and and thank you guys so much. It's it's so such a humbling experience. So <laughs> Come exciting. back anytime, Miss Barbecue. <laughs> thank you guys. Thank you. Well, you have to put you back to work. I know, right? Back, back, back. I have to put my other hat back on now. Well, the documentary Out in the Night is about four young black lesbians and a violent incident on a summer night back in 2006 that had a very, unfortunately, racist and anti-gay outcome. And it's on PBS tonight, and I wanted to pull this out and play it because it's just an amazing documentary, and I want you to hear from these women, and I want you to watch this tonight at 10 p.m. Here it is, Out in the Night. What's the difference between a gathering of white heterosexual women and black lesbians? To the New York City police, it's pretty obvious that one is a group of friends. Perhaps they're even named Carrie, Samantha, Charlotte, and Miranda. And the others, the butch black ones. Well, they're a gang. An aggressive and dangerous man-hating gang. Or as the press would later label them, a wolf pack. And a seething sapphic septet. That's why a Greenwich Village altercation in 2006 between a violent man and a group of seven young friends became a sensationalized national story and why the women, who had never been a member of any gang, faced enhanced gang-related charges during their year-long trial. Police operator 1512. Yeah, we have an over here on uh, 6th Avenue and 3rd Street. That's that Anonymous, unverified, officers fighting with gangs, bloods and crips on street level. Police operator 1398, we're seeing her. There's a gentleman that was stabbed by... Uh, what girls? Paul, are you the patient? No, man, that's a boy. He's stabbed. Is the patient breathing? Yes. Awake. Is he awake? Hello? Hi, I'm Renata Hill. Hi, I'm Patrice Johnson. In our neighborhood, at that time, it wasn't really LGBT friendly and we hanging out and we sitting on a stoop and we don't know what's going to happen before the night is over with, but we know we wasn't ready to go in a house. So we like, you know what, let's go to the city. None of us really had any money. 
we counting up change. As long as we had enough to get to the village, we're like, let's just go out there, see the lights. You don't really need money to go to the city. You just need money to get there, and that's it, and get back home. You know, you go out, you look at all the stores, and just our company with each other, we would have a ball. We don't need no extra people, no music. That's just how we are. We laugh all night long. That was our mission. Let's go to the city, hang out, go to the pier. You know, it's nothing but gay people. We're going to go out there and flirt and have fun and laugh and just chill. And we wasn't even in the city for a good 10 minutes, I don't think. We got like a couple of blocks from when we got off the train and was approached by this guy in just a real disrespectful way. I said we was young, we was full of life, we was full of laughter. We really didn't take it too serious at first. Like, okay, you know, now nah, we're all gay. These are all my girlfriends. You know, and he's like, oh, you a bum, this, that, and the third. You think you're a man. It just kind of escalated. And we're still laughing it off, like, whatever. You know, he's just mad because he can't pick up no girls. And I guess those were like soft spots. It was bruising his ego. When he said, let me get some of that, I didn't automatically think he was being disrespectful. I really just thought he was asking for one of my co-defendants' soda. So I'm like, you know, give him your soda, get another one. She's like, I'm not giving him my soda. And I'm like, just give it to him. He's like, well, I don't want that. And he pointed down at my crotch like, I want that. So I'm like, oh, no, you know, I'm a lesbian. I'm good, sir. And he was like, you a lesbian? So Renata was like, yes, these are all my girlfriends. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm just standing there watching him. He's like, oh, your girlfriends, you look like a man. And she's like, I ain't no man. And we all laughing, thinking he's joking. Like, nobody's thinking that he's serious. He got to be joking. So we tried to walk away like three times. The first time, we almost got hit by a garbage truck. Everybody jumped back up on the sidewalk. He's still talking to us. We tried to cross again and almost got hit by a whole bunch of cars. And, like, the third time... I just see a cigarette go over my shoulder and hit Renata. And then we turn around and he spits. He decided he wanted to take it a step further because we wasn't really responding the way he wanted us to. I guess initially we were supposed to start like being aggressive and we wasn't. So he spit in my face and threw a cigarette and he swung at me. I'm just standing there. And by the time I turned around, he had Renata on the ground choking her. And one of my co-defendants, she tried to pull Renata from up under him, and he reached up and he punched down her face. And the whole time, me and Terrain is just standing there like, oh, my God, like, this is really happening. Like, why is this happening? And everybody is trying to get him off of Renata, yet he's pulling Shanice here at the same time, still choking Renata. And I'm like, this guy is crazy. And then I turn around, and he's choking Venice. And once he starts choking Venice, she stops fighting him. Her face is starting to change colors, and she's trying to get him off her neck. So I went. And I went to go grab my knife, and I tried to cut his wrist to get him off her neck. And Renata is also trying to grab him to get her off him. He jumped on top of Renata, and he continued to choke Renata. At that time, I backed up. And my other co-defendants came in, and he's constantly trying to get him off of her, yet he's punching everybody or pulling their hair. And the fight just escalated. He pulled out one of my co-defendants' dress. He also pulled out Venice's hairpiece and swung it in the air and threw it at her. That night was just crazy. He was out for blood, basically. And I don't understand where we was females. You didn't really have to come at us like that. You didn't have to continue to come at us like that. We was just trying to defend each other. We wanted all of us to be away from him safely so that we can just keep going. Even at that time, our mind is still like, we would just want to go to the pier. We wasn't trying to, like, all right, this happened, we want to go home. No, we want to go to the pier. Let's go see some girls. Let's go hang out. We walked away from the incident. We went to McDonald's, which is literally across the street. We ordered something to eat. We're not trying to run. We go to use the bathroom. We come out, and it's cops everywhere going up, coming down. And we like, 
why is this happening? It wasn't that serious. We had a fight. We didn't think that he was really hurt because he was fighting somebody else when we walked away from the situation. Then we was like, you know what, let's just go home. Let's get back to the train station, let's go home. And they end up jumping out on us a block away from the train station. Our life was over at that point. Everything changed. They were a pack of lesbians who jumped this guy and, and almost killed him. He was attacked by a group of women yesterday in Manhattan. Police say the man made a comment, allegedly, to one of the women. He was attacked because he was a straight man just a real nasty gang assault. We didn't know how serious it was. Once they get us to the precinct, they held us there for over 24 hours, questioning us over and over again. Like, they just kept telling us if we did a statement, you guys could just get out of here. We just need you to write down what happened, write a statement. And at first we like, nobody says nothing. Don't say anything. But after hours and hours and hours of them coming in there, questioning us or leaving us in there alone for hours with no water, no food, and not knowing what's going on, it's like, okay, I'll write down what happened. Because at the end of the day, we wasn't really scared to write down what happened because we all was telling the truth about what happened and nobody knew that this guy was injured. That was the main thing. Nobody knew that he was injured. I had no idea. So when they said to me, which one of you stabbed him? I laughed, stabbed him. I'm like, yeah, right. I'm thinking about law and order, how they try to trick you to say something. And I'm like, yeah, right, ain't nobody stabbed him. So now I'm thinking we playing around back and forth. And he's like, no. Somebody already admitted to stabbing him, and I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Clearly, I had no idea what he was talking about. So they was like, write down a statement, just write down the truth, and we could go home. And I did. My statement was, we came to New York, we ran into this guy, he approached us, we had an argument, we got into a fight, we got arrested. That's my statement, that's what happened. And he got upset with that, because he wanted to know exactly who played what role, but being honest with him, everything was happening so fast, I really don't know what was going on. Next thing I know, we got all these indictments. Assault in the first, assault in the second, assault in the third, gang assault in the first, gang assault in the second, attempted murder. I'm leaving out three, but I think it was a total of like seven or eight charges. And I will assume the DA got on board and she the one that went forward with giving us all these charges. We went to trial even though we was offered six months, five years probation. We figured that everything was in our favor, even the surveillance. We were backing away from him and he's coming towards us. He's taunting us. That's how it went down. So we felt like we had a fair fight because everything was out there. We went to trial, we fought it, and um, once we were found guilty, we was like, okay, we're going to get a little bit of time, not that much. When we got sentenced, it was just unbelievable. I was in shock. My sentence was eight years. Mine was 11. I was released from prison August 13, 2013. It's really scary to know that you can't defend yourself. It's against the law to defend yourself, and that's basically what they were saying to us. We shouldn't have fought back. They actually tried to say we was heterophobic. We hate men, and that bothered me. How can you say we hate men? You didn't even ask us just because one guy, you, they made it seem like they had a history of us hating men to say that statement and that bothered me because I grew up with men. Like, that's all I have is brothers and male cousins. I only have one sister. And 
that was the only really female that was around, you know, other than the friends that I grew up with that was females. As far as my family is concerned, like, my dad is my best friend. How can you sit here and say, I hate men? How can you sit here and say any of that? We we live in that day over and over again with every step forward we try to make. We have to explain what happened. Even if we're given that opportunity to explain, when you go look for a job and you have to check, yes, I have a felony, and the person that's reviewing the application, if there's somebody that don't know you and you have to write it out, because it's not so bad as checking, yes, I have a felony, but then writing down what the felony is and you mm-hmm. have to write out gang assault, it's like you're not going to go in Macy's and put, yeah, gang assault, and they're going to say, yeah, welcome. You're going to be the greeter at the front door. You know, it's automatically no brano, no chances. Three of the original seven women accepted the plea deal. And of the four sentenced by the all-white jury, two later had their convictions overturned. This has been a conversation with Patrice Johnson and Renata Hill, who are not so lucky. A documentary about their ordeal called Out in the Night is making the rounds of film festivals across the USA. Find more information online at outinthenight.com. This is Steve Pride. Thanks for listening. She comes home in the morning light Her mother says when you're gonna live your life right Oh mother dear, you're not the fortunate ones And girls, they wanna have fun Oh those girls, just wanna That makes me think about the stand your ground laws and how those only, according to things I've read and people I've talked to who do criminal justice work, the concept of stand your ground only seems to apply to men because we have this image of like, well, man's being tough and defending himself, but a woman does it. It's suspect. It's awful. I got I got attacked in March, and the cop said to me, if I had fought him back, he could have had me arrested for assault. And um, I had him arrested for assault, but he said if I would have kicked him or hit him or, or any of that kind wow. of stuff, he could have turned around and charged me, and we both would have went to jail. It's, yeah. It was it was, it was was ridiculous. Well, Renata got the longest sentence because yeah, 11 it was her years. knife. But it was a pen knife. Right. We're not talking about a big knife. And the jury was shown pictures of the quote-unquote victim, uh-huh. and he just had an appendectomy. As long as he was there, they realized he needed he needed some surgery. Or something else. So they sh- they showed these pictures of this insanely huge scar, but basically it was a little poke of the penknife that didn't even show up in the picture. Wow. She did I, not have good representation. It just it just it just shows you how things can just get out of control so quickly. I feel for these women. It just tells me we've got a lot of work to do. That's beyond getting marriage rights. Yeah. It's really worth seeing. It's tonight on PBS. Check your local listings at 10 p.m. Mm. Here in L.A. Good job, Steve. Good job, Steve. That's the end of our ride. Gather your personal courage. Take Tim Villagos by the hand and exit to the far left of the tram's forward motion. Our thanks to tonight's director, Michelle Marie Gilkison, coordinating producer Steve Pride, and our Rainbow Minute producers, Jed Proctor and Brian Burns. And I'm going to give a shout out to Maddie, who's at home tweeting for us. Yes, hi, Maddie. And that's Matthew McLaughlin. <laughs> you can follow us on, speaking of social media, follow us on Facebook at IMRU Radio, with a link to the latest shows posted by noon every Tuesday. And remember, you can financially support KPFK anytime, honey, using your cell phone to donate $10. Just text KPFK to 20222. 
And if you want to get more involved with KPFK, I have to mention that the election for the LSB, the local station board, is coming up. In fact, we are right now in the nomination period. It started June 15th. It ends July 14th. It is open to all members, which takes just $25 to become a member here at KPFK. Anyone who... who um, Becomes a member, can run for the board. You can definitely vote for the board. And it's what makes all the decisions here at KPFK about our finances and our life. So we really need some good people to step up and help us out. We close tonight's show with Closer by Tegan and Sarah. It was the theme for the IMRU dancers at last year's Pride Parade. Yes. Remember the IMRU dancers? They're here right now, but they're not dancing at the moment. No. And, and I want to mention <laughs> that, that even though we like to pretend we have a dance community, it's the dance Doran Troop, who are amazing. Yes. Who, who were generous enough to dance for us. Absolutely. In the direction of Michelle Marie Cookson. MMG. <laughs> That's right. Now, they'll hear, well, we the IMU dancers, that song has been playing in our heads ever since. And now they'll hear what we already hear. Good night. Good night, guys. All I want to get is a little bit closer. All I want to know is. Can you come a little closer? Here comes a breath before we get a little bit closer. Come a little closer